This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. All right, time now for Science with Simi. And, you know, one of the reasons why we do this every week is we're trying to find ways to make the stories about science that are out there more relatable to you, kind of translate them from the scientific into the everyday, which is perfect because that is actually the topic of today's Science with Simi. Jason Tetro is with us. He, of course, is the person we always turn to to help us out with this kind of stuff. Hi, Jason. Hello there. Okay, so we're we're translating science. Do you find this is always pretty challenging? Yes, uh, it can be very difficult. Uh, I've been doing this for over a decade, and sometimes even I I have trouble trying to make sure that the science that you see in the literature can be uh, used in in the public. And I mean, most of the time, I'm just talking to regular folk. The thing is, is that we also have to start looking at how we can do this when we're talking about policy. And in some cases, that can be very, very problematic. Right. Uh, let's start with something simple. Like, I know that there's been a lot of talk about, like, clean energy policies, that kind of stuff. How does that translate into what we learn about this kind of stuff? Well, it's rather amusing that a lot of people know that, you know, conservation and trying to maintain the environment and, and you know, reforestation, all these types of things are very, very important. Now, the science has already been saying this. The people are starting to understand this. But when it comes to actually developing policy, it's very difficult to try and figure out how you're going to be able to take that evidence and put it into something that people are going to want to um, follow through on. And I think one of the best policies that we've been talking about over the last, oh, I don't know, couple of years and, and more recently a couple of months have been the, uh, the federal policies for environment mm-hmm. and the clean BC policy. And the difference between those two and how, one, the federal doesn't seem to be getting a heck of a lot of support, whereas the clean BC seems to be doing okay. And it may actually have to do with how the information is being translated and how the public finds itself being involved. Oh, that's, well, that's, that makes perfect sense, right? That is, if you can make it catchy, if you can make it relatable and understandable, people will absorb it. Exactly. And it's rather funny because uh, just this past week, there was a new study that came out from uh, Nathan Bennett at UBC. He was the lead author. It was an international study. And they looked at you know, how do policies resonate with the public? Now, they looked at the Mediterranean area where there's a huge push to conserve fish stocks. Um, But, of course, trying to get fishermen to agree to this can be incredibly problematic. So they wanted to see how perceptions of the policies can be uh, affecting how people essentially like or dislike the marine protection laws. 
And what they did is they looked at three things. The first one is obviously the benefit to the environment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, another one was, as we've been talking about, the social impacts. How does it affect us? How can we relate to this? And the third one was good governance. In other words, is the government open and transparent or do they seem like they're hiding in the shadows? Okay, and so what did they find out when they asked people about that? Well, they went out to 11 different fishing regions in six different countries. So they wanted to get sort of a nice diverse perspective. And what they found overall was that there was support for the policies, Hmm. but not for the reason that you may think. See, most people might think, um, and and you hear this all the time, whether you look on social media or whatever, it's all about the environment, the benefit for the environment. Well, believe it or not, that didn't hold a heck of a lot of water. Instead, the societal benefit, in other words, how does it affect me? How does it benefit me? And good governance were major factors. And the fact that if you have an open and transparent process of developing policy in a government, it's going to help the residents accept what you're talking about. Right. And I think that is sort of the reason we see the difference between the federal policy and Clean BC, because Clean BC has been really open. You've had town halls, you've had meetings, um, you know, they've done their best to try and include everybody. Whereas when you're looking at the federal policies, um, there's still that feeling that they're doing this behind closed doors as opposed to openly. Right. But and also with Clean BC, this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. They managed to make it relevant for everybody, as in, you know, we'd like you to drive an electric car. This is what it's going to mean to you. But we don't you don't get that from the federal policies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we just had the budget yesterday and they're mimicking some of the incentives that have come out from Clean BC. I don't know if that's really going to help at this stage. Uh, what I find really interesting is that the majority that I've seen of um, sort of negative response to the Clean BC program happens to be from hmm. uh, people who don't think that's going far enough. So it's it's rather interesting because you kind of have to work with the evidence, but you also have to balance it out with the public, and sometimes that can lead to problems. I guess what we're saying here is that science really is, it's almost like a different language, isn't it? That you really have to translate it so that it is relatable to people. Oh, a- absolutely. And you have to do it in such a way that it becomes relatable to a larger audience. And it's really interesting because, as I said, I've been doing this for a long time and I've also run into problems. So what I want to do is on this week's episode of the Super Awesome Science Show, I wanted to dive in to the translation of science, a little bit of the history. But I want to talk to three people who are doing this in very, very different ways. The first person that we talked to is uh, Maureen Dobbins at McMaster University. Now, she is actually working to translate medical evidence into policies, but also into ways that people can improve their own lives. Now, it may seem easy, but you have to realize there's so much that you have to take into consideration. And just just listen to her about what, what is really necessary. 
when we talk about best available evidence, while certainly uh, the work that I've been involved in has focused primarily on the best available research evidence, there's still lots of different types of information or knowledge that informs our decision making about the local context or societal preferences, political preferences, the types of resources. So it's about bringing all of that together the best of all of that together and then making uh, informed decisions uh, using all of that information. Hmm, interesting then. So that's that's a lot of work because you really, you can't get support for your work if you can't get the public on side and so, but you still have to translate your work for the public. Oh, absolutely. And while she's doing this for uh, the general public through, you know, translation into policy and everything, there's another person who happens to be our second guest. Um, he's doing something incredibly different, and it's so much more work. His name is uh, James Heilman. He's actually a doctor in Cranbrook, but he's, he's also known as a Wikipedian. What's that? You might be wondering what that yeah. is. Yeah. It's a person who edits Wikipedia in order to get the information right. Oh. Um, well, have you ever done a Google search? And sure enough, you're going to see Wikipedia come up as oh, like one of the first hits, right? Yeah. Always. And then you're going to click on it. And then you're going to read it. And the first thing you're going to do is, hmm, maybe I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> right. And so when you're talking about medicine, um, James is working to be sure that the information that you get is actually going to be accurate. So you can use that to be able to inform yourself. And, and, and I mean, that's a heck of a lot of time. I think at one point he was putting in something like 60 hours a week Whoa. just editing Wikipedia pages. I know. And But this guy, he, he's like a superhero because he's not just doing this for Canada. He's actually trying to get people all over the world, including those without the Internet, to be able to access these wiki pages. And it's a technology called Internet in a Box. And quite honestly, in a word, it's awesome just just take a listen to what he has to say putting wikipedia on uh, miniature low-cost computers called raspberry pis and these devices emit a wi-fi signal that people can then log on to with their cell phones and then they can browse wikipedia just like if they had internet so you know in many areas of the world cell phones are prevalent even though access to the internet is not you know, we've been we've been shipping these devices around the world over the last few years, and um, you know, uptake has been has been very positive. That's so interesting, Jason. Because to me, you know what that sounds like? It sounds like a set of encyclopedias. Mm-hmm. That's what it sounds like at your fingertips <laughs> offline. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, uh, you you had the Book of Life, you had yes. the World Book, you got the Encyclopedia <laughs> yeah. Britannica. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there were so many of them that we would be able to refer to, and right. now we have Wikipedia. The, the, offline, though, is what he's yeah. talking about, right? Is being able to have it. Yeah, exactly. By having the internet in a box, what you're doing is essentially having a hub that anyone will be able to access so that they can get the information that they need, which is incredibly important, especially in medicine. So true. I look forward to hearing all about that this weekend on the Super Awesome Science Show. When I have a few minutes, I'm going to sit down and have a listen, Jason. So thank you so much for joining us. It was such a pleasure. Take care. As Jason Tetro, author of The Germ Code and The Germ Files, host of the Super Awesome Science Show podcast on CuriousCast.